this episode of the Drunken Towers Podcast brought to you by our friends at Audible.com. Show your support for your favorite podcast. Get yourself a free audiobook of your choice by going to Audible.com forward slash Taoist. T-A-O-I-S-T. Beautiful. Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, the huge amount of work that goes into a long-form historical podcast. Mighty Samson gets his ass bone to work and many Philistines fall. An introduction to another incredible badass female from history, ready to fight a demon or a god. Arthur is about to eat a turtle, punk rock schoolgirls, foxes on fire, and a visit to the best little whorehouse in Gaza. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast begins now. All right, from the top, welcome back, everybody. Episode 76 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Here we are again, November time. It's getting a little chilly here. We actually had to put a light uh, shirt over our T-shirts today here in California to somehow suffer this. It's going to be in the 60s tonight. And that's Rich trying to make sure that everybody else in the world hates him. What? Because uh, oh, I could yeah. do a much better job than that. I don't know. That's pretty good right there. I know who doesn't hate us. Our friends at Audible.com have come back on board again this time. And if you will sign up, they will give you a free audiobook to test out. And, you know, I was sort of not sure what I thought of the audiobook, but we've been doing this for a while. Uh, I did the Sapiens book, which I just loved. And then I got some sort of obscure novel. I don't know about the novels. This thing was like 37 hours on a bridge. Yeah, and come on. So that was a bit of a failure, but I'm sampling and went back to the well again. And um, are you familiar with Joseph Campbell? The yeah, guy, of course. The myth book is, sure. is seriously epic. I think everybody had to read it in college. But one thing I did not know exists is there's an eight-hour interview with Bill Moyers. Oh, yeah. That's great. So he works his way through, and it's Joseph telling his favorite stories, yeah. which, as good as the book is, this is incredible. Yeah. And that would be a great one. And he also does the the Hero Has a Thousand Faces. Yep. A lot of really great. And as far as I don't know if I'm ever going to be a fan of uh, novelizations to listen to, mm-hmm. but um, factual. And it's worth taking a shot. I mean, I listened to a podcast not so long ago that's very sort of fiction like. It's a what was the title? Twilight history. It's a fake. Uh, oh. It's not real history. It's like he study history and then he kind of goes off in a almost. Not sci-fi because there's not necessarily sci, but there's definitely a fictionalized. Like, what if the uh, Chinese invaded Mexico during the Aztec Empire? You know, stuff that's obviously pure entertainment, fictionalized stuff. But it's good at it. Those and are great. It was, um, what if the fun. inoculations arrived before the Spanish? Exactly. You know, there are those what ifs that are um, 
So, you know, you never know. Maybe changes taste over time. But yes, thank you to Audible. By the way, on, um, yeah, beside the fact that you guys can try, try it out for free, got a free book. And then if you don't like it, that's it. And only if you decide you like it, then you pay $15 a month and yep. keep getting a new thing every month. Beside that, I, there's a very decent chance that I may record as an audio book my next book, Not Afraid. I don't know if it's going to be ready for the beginning of December when the print copy is going to come out, but it's definitely on the to-do list urgently. So that's what I'm going to be trying to work on. I'll uh, You guys can check out if the my sweet, suiting voice is what you need in your ears. I think people love it already. So folks, do us a favor, it. do yourself a favor, audible.com forward slash Taoist, T-A-O-I-S-T, Taoist, T-A-O-I-S-T. Give it a click. Give it a try. It's good for us. Good for your ears. And a ton of great stuff to listen to. Now, for the the big three. The big three. The usual guys who stand by us through thick and thin. Datsusara with the greatest hemp gear out there. Um, beautiful. I mean, you look at how I go around. For the last, what, three, four years now, I've been just wearing Datsusara stuff everywhere. All of my bags are Datsusara. Travel bags, computer bags, everything. So... It's not like we say it like, oh, we got this guy who uh, sponsor us. We should tell people to buy it, but we we hate it and it sucks. No, this is stuff that we we use all the time. No, I was quite stunned. I, I tripped to Nashville a couple of weeks ago. I had my big Dr. Yeah, Star duffel course. bag coming off the, and already had the backpack loaded up. People, you know, it does look a bit military and creepy, but uh, really? I like it. You think that? I think it looks kind of black ops and awesome. I, no, I think it's, yeah, I don't see it as, uh, I, I love it in the, I don't know, I dig the look. It no, you know, that. I like it a lot. Yeah, People yeah, don't yeah. fuck with you. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I got my plastic pistol in here, bitch. I, Back off. Nice. We got. Uh, you might find this hard to believe, but uh, I did get hassled in security. Did you? Oh, yeah. How come? Well, it was the x-ray thing, you know, where you got to put your oh, hands yeah, out? Yeah. Well, I think that's funny, so that's kind of. Oh, I see. Dancing, well, and they don't dig that at all. No, that's a good way so to get got shot. pulled aside, yeah. got the pat down, got the laser wand, all this. Come on, you guys. Iron rolled up your When my day too. comes, you ain't going to see me coming. The iron f- burning rolled up your ass to make sure you don't hide anything in there. So I can be late for the plane you guys diverted me off of. Precisely. Uh, on it.com with the whole range of workout gear, uh, supplements, health foods, constantly new products being tried, new things that show up. There's an extremely wide on it catalog full of great things. I use by now a lot of their products from some of the long-standing uh, chocolate hemp powder that I dig a lot. is like a hemp protein powder from uh, the fence soap that I use after working out because it kills all the nasty things you can have picked up. Do you want some ringworm this week? Yeah, there's, you know, you definitely, I've had it twice. It sucks. Um, Not fun. Um, The one exercise that I recommend to any human being on earth, the pull-up bar that every household should have. Negatives. Yeah, exactly. If you can do, if you can pull yourself up, you can do negatives using a chair. That works. If you don't know what that means, just look, pull up negatives through the gods of Google and they will enlighten you. Through, of course, Alpha Brain, which today I'm trying to feed my dad is an experiment. I shall report on how that goes. He's visiting from Italy and I was like, Try this out. So I'll see how if uh, my mom is a fan of Alpha Brain. I'll see if my dad is too or not. And of course, at Short Design, with the coolest t-shirts on the planet. Just check them out. All of our sponsors, you got discounts in the episode notes. So there's the code out there that you should use to get a discount. 
and good stuff. And I mentioned this before, but I want to mention it again because I'm probably going to use it as a picture for this episode cover. Thank you to Cold Steel for having sent my way some extremely sharp edge weapons of which my dreams are made of and I'm quite proud of. Are they axes? Uh, there's an axe and there's a Thai machete. Which now, this is, isn't the axe of, 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 of the Izzy photo fame, is yeah, it? Yeah, so I'm going to put actually, I'm probably going to divide this episode cover. There's part of it. I don't know. We'll see if it comes out okay. Ideally, I'll divide it up and there's part of it is me with my Thai machete and another one with Isabella carrying the Thai machete in a sheet along with her axe and giving the Bruce Lee come on, take me on kind of look with the hand waving like come on over. It's beautiful. So yeah, Cold Steel. Thank you guys. Awesome products. I love them. And um, that's it. Without further ado now, let's get ready to roll. Sisters, it's time to unlearn what you've learned about the, the, the trials and trualities of the Bible. And to fix us up and set us straight in our ways, Father Bellelli. Today's episode of Bible School is entitled Hookers and Murder, The Life of Samson. I think we got the papers mixed up. Hookers and what? That's indeed um, from the pages of the Holy Book, one of the biblical heroes, Samson. Do you, you sure you don't mean Lamar Odom? I oh, poor Lamar. I the like only him. man in history to fix his marriage with hookers and cocaine. <laughs> I love that. That's uh, um, it seemed like he's coming through okay. So I'm hoping that that's the case because I actually met uh, I met him once in. Um, Did your neck hurt? I had uh, yeah. I mean he's of course twelve feet tall, but uh, no, he struck me as a super nice guy. Yeah, I think he's, he got mixed uh, up with this reality really TV shit and it just. Like a really sensitive, it. nice guy. The and wrong guy to be, have every nook and cranny of his life exposed. Well, but not to the just world. that. He's also yeah. He had a he has had a hard life. Totally. Any which way you slice it. So, but no. no I not, don't mean to make fun, and I don't want the man to suffer. But it is sort of an incredible thing. Yeah. That. <laughs> Anyways, okay. So this is the Bible version. Yep. The Samson, one of the ancient uh, Old Testament heroes. So here we got a sense of the place in the story where this takes place is after the Jewish tribe have conquered much of the land, post-Egyptian exile, they've returned, they have uh, faced all sorts of external and internal problems, externally they have all sorts of foreign neighbors who don't like them very much, internally there's the usual theme of the Old Testament, that's the overarching theme of... Jewish. Obey or die! Well, there's that, and there's exactly all the Jewish people who don't obey, who stick to instead the polytheism who turn to other gods, and so there's the monotheistic Jews are pissed off. So God's punishment had been to let their enemies beat them. So the idea is that the when the Jews repent, then I'll send them a leader to, a leader to deliver them from this subjugation to these foreign people. But until then, suffer under their yoke. 
So it keeps happening, you know, they fall back into worshipping other gods, gods get mad, that kind of thing. The cycle is repeated over and over again. And his last particular moment, the Jews are defeated by a population known as the Philistines. Now here is where the story gets interesting. An angel appears to a woman who's married and can't have kids, and tell her that she's going to become pregnant with a son who's going to free the Jews from the Philistines. So like, okay, well, that's nice. The angel just say, no alcohol for, for just don't touch any kind of alcohol. Um, the, the child, once he's grown up, he also should abstain from alcohol and never cut his hair. That's not making it up. That's the idea. That's sort of Native American rules. Yeah, so Samson is, the image I picture is sort of a Jewish version of uh, Rasta with these giant dreads and uh, powerful, manly, strong guy, as we're going to see. Um, so Samson goes to see the cities of the field. Once he grows up, once he's an adult, he becomes this super powerful, strong guy. He goes to see the cities of the Philistines and he falls in love with a Philistine woman and wants to marry her against his parent wishes. So as he's walking along to try to kind of go ask for her hand and propose marriage, he's attacked by a lion, which, you know, bad news, right? But Samson is Samson. You don't get to be a biblical hero by uh, getting eaten by the lion at the first instance of your adult life so Samson ripped him apart with his bare hands this is in Judges 14 uh, verse 5 and 6 for those of you unbelievers who question the wisdom of a human being. You mean it's actually written down in a book somewhere? Indeed. Well then it's got to all be completely true. Exactly. Of course. Now the thing that's interesting at the feast for his wedding Samson decides to play this crazy riddle. He decides, you know, he grabs some of the 30 Philistines who attend this wedding. He says, you know, I'm going to get each one of you a new set of clothes if you are able to solve the riddle that I'm going to pose to you. But if you are not, then each one of you owes me a set of clothes. So I'm going to get my wardrobe set up if you guys can pull it off. Now, his riddle is pretty much impossible because it was all based on like stuff that happened to him that unless you know his life story there was no way to solve so it's been mildly tricky and these guys were clearly unable to solve it so what they do is that they on they grab his wife or soon to be wife on the side and openly threaten her with death unless she can get the answer out of him and then she's gonna tell them so she gets scared, she gets freaked out, uh, asks Samson, you know, for the answer and promptly pass it along. And once these guys give the answer, Sam- Samson is like, hmm. he is just smoking coming out of his ears and he's mad. Did he mad. figure it out? Where the answer might have come from? Yeah, he sure does. Okay. And he's I'm afraid not... he's one of those denser fellas like, how did I figure it out? But damn. So, so far this has been a mellow PG-13 version of a story. Just a poor lion getting raped apart. But other than that, you know, nothing dramatic. But this is where it gets juicy. Samson is now mad. You guys have threatened my wife, solved my riddle with trickery. So he goes on this murder of rage and promptly kill all 30 of the Philistines and uh, steal his clothes 
Actually, no, this is where it gets interesting. Sorry, I, I, I messed up. Oh my God, God is punishing me for my... Let me get back to... Okay, I'm Father Bodelli, I can do this, I can do this. Okay, let's try again. The room is filling with light. He goes off and murders 30 other Philistines, not these ones. He kills all of these guys, steal their clothes in order to pay his bet to the other 30 dudes that... I w- wouldn't it have been easier to just kill the first 30 guys, the ones who, in any case. I'm mildly confused with this, but he's all disgusted by what happened, so he returned to his father's house, and um, eventually his testosterone kicks in and decides, well, I have a wife for what reason again? So he says, I want to go have sex. So he goes back and goes to try to get his wife from her house where she's still living with in her father's house. Perhaps she just uh, taken her with him. Yeah, that would have been good thinking, but he was in a murderous rage, so he wasn't thinking straight. So the words are, I quote again, uh, Samson say, I will go in to my wife into the chamber. Yeah. But her father would not suffer him to go in. So her father is saying, no, sorry, no, go. Uh, apologies, because while you are gone, I actually promised this uh, this daughter to one of the 30 Philistines who screwed you over. So oh. she's actually going to be his wife. But I'll give you the younger sister instead. How about that? You got a new wife. Samson, is he prone to calm meditation about, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy who decides, ah, non-attachment, takes things as they go, adapt to the situation. Not exactly. Not so much. Enraged, Samson decided to light up a bunch of torches, tie them to the tails of 300 foxes, which I don't know how the hell he even goes around catching 300 foxes. Can you but imagine he does. That? Like, I'll be back 19 years later. Yeah, exactly. These foxes. And set the foxes loose so that it would burn all of the Philistine fields, all of their crops and everything else. Are the Philistines the kind of people who are ready to turn the other cheek? Not quite. So they they grab 3,000 foxes. So they grab his wife and his father in law and set them on fire and burn them to death. But it wasn't his wife. These of, well, you know, let's not get technical. I'm just trying uh, not to be confused. No, he's more or less wife. His was going to be, but wasn't chamber thing, father, no wife, lady. That would be exactly correct. I'm glad you got it. I'm writing all this down. Samson, how is he going to react? Let's take a guess. By going on another murderous rampage. So the story is that he kills over a thousand Philistine. How does he do that? Using the jawbone of a donkey. Not even weapons, you know. Don't, they, just... don't they say ass in the Bible? So you can I believe they do. So, But it ass. gets confusing. So <laughs> it could be one the, of his pals. The job of an ass? What's what's the I haven't seen one of those. What's the they're kinda of small. So yeah, there's um yeah, thousand guys will meet their death at Samson's hands thanks to the jawbone of an ass that he sque- swings left and right, spilling their blood all over. Now Samson again is a man with very familiar with testosterone. He's safely not a candidate for extra testosterone therapy he does not need it now the roid rage is going fine without it yeah exactly he may have too much as is so he decided okay i still need to have sex um he's got to be pent up by now i'm gonna visit i'm gonna go to gaza same place where you always hear in the news today about troubles between israeli and palestinians i'm gonna go to gaza visit a hooker and uh do my business 
So I quote again from the Holy Book, this is Judges 16, verse 1. Then went Samson to Gaza, and saw there a harlot, and went in unto her. Mm. Uh, as he's leaving, he is ambushed by the Philistine, but managed to escape. And Aspon back at work. Yeah, so again, here we have Samson visiting hookers, killing thousands of people. The guy is a busy man. And this he's, is a uh, biblical hero. Absolutely. Okay. He's, uh, well, I kind of like him, to be honest. I mean, he's, I give you that he's not the most Gandhi, you know, Dalai Lama-inspired <laughs> person in the world. He may be a little trouble in case you decide to solve his riddles, but he's passionate, that's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. The Speaking of passion, he... His story continues with him now falling in love with a lady named Delilah. Oh, no. Yeah, that never leads to good things, as uh, as we're going to see. The Philistine, in the meantime, had paid Delilah. So now we have a second occasion in which the Philistine go to one of his women to try to get to him. So the Philistine paid Delilah to find out what's the secret to Samson's supernatural strength. That the guy, you know, is a freak. There's no... He tears a lion apart with his bare hands. Uh, he kills a thousand people without even f- real weapons. I stay away from the alcohol. That's all there is to it. Well, there's that. And after Delilah keep trying and keep failing, doesn't like he doesn't really want to give the answer. Eventually, after much persuasion, that the Bible unfortunately does not get technical in what kind of persuasion it was. But after I'm sure it was, Delilah finds out that the secret to Samson's strength is also in never cutting his hair, that the keeping his uh, locks flowing long and never putting a blade to them is part of the secret because of this uh, deal that had been made with God that you never cut your hair and you have this crazy strength. So what to do, what to do? They While he's sleeping, she has a servant go shave him while he sleeps and cut off all of his hair so that he will lose his powers and so that the Philistines can actually get to him. So they are now able to capture him. They blind him, they put out his eyes and enslave him. That's rough. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, again, can't say I didn't see that coming, but... It's, he certainly didn't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was messed up. Yes. Months go by. And the Philistines are kind of having fun, having him as the slave, and just, uh, you know, this is the guy who's giving us a hard time, and all of that. Exactly. And they are about to have a big ritual for one of their gods. In the meantime, you know, long enough time has gone by that Samson's hair is beginning to grow long again, and he's gaining a little bit of his power back. And so, during this ritual, he's leaning against the temple pillars, and in perfect Conan style, he prays to God for revenge. It's very much one of those, grant me revenge. I don't know if you say also, and if you don't, to hell with you in Conan style. But in any case, the whole prayer is, my life sucks, it's all over, but give me this one last request. And so at this point, he start, with all of his strength, he starts pushing the pillars of the temples and his magical superhuman strength has come back. He destroyed the pillars and make the temple tumble down, killing thousands of Philistines along with himself in the process. Isn't that a charming story? Wow. This is very Masada-esque. Yeah, this is also like, again, Game of Thrones got nothing on this. This No, it really uh, doesn't. 
There's a lot of confusing messages in there, Father Bellelli. I don't think it's confusing at all. Well, I there's like, like no adultery. No, there's a lot of rules that he seems to skimper around and uh, have his way with. I don't get technical now. It's uh, all right. Uh, no, Samson. Yeah, if you're looking for biblical heroes, Samson is one of the interesting characters out there. That's for sure. And again, you could transport it straight into a Game of Thrones screenplay and you would be right at home. You could take him with Lamar Odom and go to the whorehouses of Nevada. Precisely. Happy guy. Whorehouse in Gaza. There's a song in there somewhere. <laughs> a very sad blues song. Yeah. All right, we'll have that shortly. There you go. Here's your Bible learning. I don't know what you learned exactly, but use it carefully. <laughs> let a cop off with a warning for pulling him over. If he botches your name, you would be compelled to change it. The CIA doesn't keep tabs on him because they know better. Ghosts gather around the campfire to tell him stories. He's Daniele Bellelli, middle finger of the gods, and the most interesting podcaster in the world. If Tupac Shakur was alive, no. Tupac is alive, and they're best friends. Children write to Santa in December. They write to Bellelli in June. He's not in a good mood because it's sunny. It's sunny because he's in a good mood. Once Chuck Norris challenged him to a fight in the Coliseum. When Bellelli took his shirt off, Norris realized his mistake and began spanking his own Republican ass rather than facing him. After taking a look at him, Rick Santorum has become a supporter of gay marriage in the hope that our hero will change his sexual preference and propose to him. They say Jesus turned water into wine. Bellelli took one look at Kate Upton's A-cup boobs and made them grow to their present glorious size. When Jimi Hendrix sang about standing next to a mountain and chopping it down with the edge of his hand, it was after he had listened to Daniele Bellelli middle finger of the gods and the most interesting podcaster in the world. Certainly folks, Joe's, and they haven't had their Isabella fix in almost two months, which we're fixing right now. Uh, we did have the skip of the DBRE collection because of our overwhelming collection of uh, interviews. And real quick, 
exciting interview coming up next month. Oh, yeah. There's some good more. Well, you know what? I've actually been having fun with everybody. Some guests, one of the problems is that when we have guests that are not as famous, people tend to tune out because it's like, I don't recognize the name, so screw it. I'm not going to listen. Which is a shame because Liddy and Perengi were a couple of the best guests we ever had. They were fun. They had great stories. They're folks that have yep. lived the whole world. They said, I was growing in Arkansas and I never moved. You know, No, these folks have... No, he bitten into the marrow of the world, you know. No, absolutely. And I mean, I understand. I get it that if you you may not want to give it a chance if you don't recognize who was there talking. But you know, it's uh, we had. I've had, I've been having a good time with just about all of our guests lately. I haven't had a single one where, you know, I had a couple of times in our history where I'm there going like, "Why am I here? What are we doing again?" Doesn't really happen often. Hasn't really happened in a long time. So. But yeah, good stuff coming up, names that you may recognize, so that should be good. But let's start rolling with some uh, vintage Isabella moments. And uh, I'm 99% sure that we never use them. I put them on Facebook, I'm sure, or something like this as glorious Isabella moments. But let's get rolling. So this is one of our rituals is that as we're always barely making it in time for school, um there's always uh, she wants to play some of her music so i have the ipod ready on the isabella playlist and uh, we got rolling and you know we barely made it we're in time we can make it we get in the car and i realized i left the ipod in the house i was recharging it i didn't bring it in i'm like oh shit so i told isabella i like, hey, you know i forgot your music in the house but it's kind of late is that okay you know can we go without it and isabella was like of course. What do you think I would do? Be a brat and yell at you and scream, go get my music, bitch? I'm not like that. I'm always nice to you. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you have a point. <laughs> go get my music, bitch. Luckily, it was not the line of the day. So she was like, yeah, what do you think? You know, why would you think that about me? Thought that was brilliant. Um, different day. This was in another early morning wake up to go to school. Her first words of the day, as I woke her up, she didn't even open her eyes. And she goes, if you are wise, you would know not to disturb me when I want peace and quiet. Oh, this is a young woman forming into her lady yeah. for sure. And right after that, she sat up in bed. She put herself in lotus position with thumb and index fingers touching, meditated for a minute. And then opened her eyes and was ready to roll. And I was like, I'm not exactly sure what this strange alien living in my house is, but what the hell? What was that all about? Oh, I think the entire female species has that, that capacity that, dare you interrupt my slumber? Yeah, but, and then it was like the meditation. None of that ever happened before or after, so it was just like completely a one-off of weirdness that I was like, okay, that was interesting. What they learn in school. Speaking of one-off of weirdness, and I hope she didn't learn this at school, one day, completely out of the blue, she volunteered the following comment. Humans are no good to it. Which, okay, I don't know what the experience is, but she promptly filled in what the experience in that regard was. Because she said, once I tried eating my own arm, and it was terrible. So, don't eat your own arm. That's the moral of the story. That should not be uh, the thing to do. And then a different note, this was still uh, kind of end of last year. We were again walking into school, which is one of the great hilarious moments of the day. 
and uh, on multiple occasions she wa- walk in singing I don't give a damn about my reputation a, gar- a girl can do what she wants to do and that's what I'm gonna do which I always thought he was... Uh, John Jett. John Jett, indeed. That became, after she listened to that song, plus when she realized that she loved it already. She seemed to have a particular affinity for punk rock. She likes The Clash, she likes John Jett, she likes everything that's kind of like pushing... Uh, we should, she likes Mike V, of course, so there's, I can see a trend there connected with a punk vibe to it all. Wow, she's going to have the all-female Black Flag 2 one day. Right? I know, that would not be bad, indeed. Oh. And, uh, we just go on tour and forget all this business. Yeah, that's why I was like, when she was doing that, I was like, good luck to her teacher, you know. It's like, I don't give a damn about my reputation, a girl's going to do what she wants to do. and ugh, Brilliant. In any case, on that happy note... That wraps up Isabella for this month. There you have it. Daughters are always a trip to raise. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum plane for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. Okay, here we go. Dream time, everybody. It's been a little while. Two months since we had a Bellelli dream. What's going on this time? Shall there be blood in one of my dreams? Well, there has been in the past, but, you know, after the mushroom ritual, things have been a bit calmer. Of course. So it was going to be all peace and love. So we start... Actually, this is a curious dream in the sense that there's... Um, starring in my dream is uh, one of our upcoming guests, Arthur Rosenfeld, who has oh. been on our podcast in the past, and it shall be again. So it is what happens with Arthur. By the time... By the time my dream begins, it's kind of like in mid-action, and what I see is uh, Arthur is about to eat a turtle, which is rather weird considering that he's very much a vegan, and he loves turtle more than anything. He yeah. has like three gazillion giant turtle eyes in... Uh, how do you pronounce the word? Tor- Tortoise. Tortoise, close enough. And had him as a child. Yeah, so he's like... So that's why I have no idea where that dream was coming from. In any case, he's about to eat a turtle. Worse yet... The turtle has clearly already been beheaded. Yes, well, exactly. So much for the peace and love of this dream. But one thing that we notice is that the heart is still beating, which, by the way, is a semi-scientific fact in the sense that turtles' hearts are notorious for keep beating forever, pretty much. Like, you have to really just... takes a while for the turtle's heart to stop, even after, technically, the turtle is probably dead already. That'd be a good uh, battery company... Spoke say the bunny. Yeah, exactly. Turtle Sarge. Just keeps beating. Yeah, exactly. So, taking a look at the situation, I suggest that maybe we need to stab the heart in case, you know, the turtle is still feeling something that would be sort of unkind to let it suffer. And so Arthur pulls out a sword and stabs it and blood sprays all over his face. Again, so much if you wanted mellow and peace and love. And, you know, at that point, there's a feeling that we have that's a clear feeling of relief because it was the right thing to do, you know, to make sure that the turtle wouldn't suffer. But there's a sense of incredible sadness at the same time. You know, it's like something there was clearly lost. And then my dream ends. Under the file, what the fuck? No, Where s- did this land? Because you interviewed him again recently. Was it right after you did or before you did? I or? believe it was before. 
I believe it was before I saw him again and talked to him. I mean, I talked, meaning I knew he was coming to visit and stuff. That was, uh, but what the hell do I make of that? You know, it's like, that's where, where are good therapists when you need one? This is bizarre. Wow. Yeah. I, um, I've been working crazy late nights editing this mm -hmm. movie lately and I fell asleep in my chair. And the dream continued from right at that point. So I'm looking out the window, and there's a guy trying to get through the window. So I start peanuts. This, this was my dream. Right immediately, there will be a line from uh, from um, Army of Darkness. Kiki did. He's like, "Oh, okay, got an axe." You know, it's... which would have been correct. But it was just amazing how it it, it seamlessly because it was the exact window, and there's these weird people trying to get up through it, and. And then I sort of shook it off and like, oh, back. But your brain can do some nifty tricks to you if you're not careful. No Viking axe through the guy's skull? Never got to that point. Jesus. My dreams pretty much begin and then with that point. That's just, that's all that they... I just never had that much to be angry about, man. It's been a pretty good, pretty good life. Wow. Wow. I, I can get angry. No, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm actually, I'm very impressed and I'm happy. That's a good thing. You know, that's a great thing. I seem to not quite be there in that department. In that doesn't mean I haven't ever had, like, scary ones. I mean, some are scary. Like, like, like family members are vanished, and, you know, like, it's like a six-month search. Yeah, yeah, And 30 minutes of dream. It's like, and then you wake up and, <gasps> oh, thank God. Well, that's the thing. is like ever since I started having my murderous dreams, uh, which has been a long time, I haven't had the scary ones anymore. I think it's been a way for my subconscious to sublimate the fear or lack of control that sometimes can kick in in dreams where you get scared and freaked out by stuff. Yeah. My immediate go-to reaction has been, axe. unleash hell, get the axe. And uh, it kept at bay the scary part. So it's probably a different way to express the same thing. That's my guess. That makes sense. The other thing, that's confounding, though. That's um... Yeah, the other even because this one, you know, yeah, there was blood. Yes, there was a sword, but it wasn't me swinging it. I was actually did not want to see that, did not want to be part of it. But it was kind of like, hey, you know, we got to put this thing out of its misery. Do it now. I mean, the obvious thing is that you've sent some sort of wolf in sheep's clothing thing that he's got going. He's actually a demon. Is that what's going on? Well, that's what that's what would happen on Ash versus the Living Dead. Right? Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. Yes, that's very surely. That's, it's almost the, Halloween, everybody. The, those of you guys who don't know what we're talking about, there's uh, from uh, Bruce Campbell, the hero of all the Evil Dead movies, coming back with a TV series. Yeah. It's like, yeah, when people say, I've heard people refer to some of my curious proclivities using the adjective intellectual. Yeah, take that for intellectual. <laughs> my idea of high cinema is the Evil Dead. Uh, that's awesome. I don't want anything else. There's a lot to be said for fun. We can't yep. sit and watch them, the third man or, or, or shit like that every night. Not that it's shit, but you know, there's a time and place for everything. Sometimes you got to just go kick back and relax. Yeah. If you want to kick back and relax, y'all, go watch The Martian. What a fun movie, man. I just Good stuff. It's a good one. You can even take your children to it. Well, to know. I like that. Yeah. All right, there we go. There's dreams of all sorts all scattered in there. So if the turtle's heart is beating, it's not time for feeding. Story time, everybody, brought to you by your friends at Sure Design T-Shirts that like everybody to know soft fabrics make happy nipples 
for a happy planet. Speaking of happy nipples, yeah, here we got Japanese history, particularly these very macho samurai, tough guys kind of stories that characterize much of medieval Japan. The um, much of this history is uh, it's very male dominated. You know, it's like you hardly even ever hear women being mentioned. It's all this guy and then that guy and then this other guy. So our guest today is does not fit that pattern, which is part of what makes her interesting. Because her indeed, we're talking about Miss Tomoe Godzen. And this lady was not schooled in the notion that women need to stay home by the kitchen. This lady became a samurai. She was, he wasn't entirely unknown, you know, it did happen, there were female samurai at some points in Japanese history, it wasn't that common, it wasn't like a normal, typical thing, but it wasn't like completely out of uh, the realm of possibilities either. What was the Japanese sort of cultural feel with that? Would that be like, <gasps> how dare she? Or no, was no, it more, there, if, there was if room that was for your, that. There was room for that. There so was room for that. If you wanted to pursue that. it, it was fine. I mean, samurai women... All of them had to be somewhat trained in... in uh, well, let me rephrase it. Women who were part of samurai families had to be somewhat trained in weapons. Right. Not only they were trained to for ritual suicide, as everybody else was in terms of from the samurai class, but they were also ta- trained to defend the household and all of that kind of stuff, wielding this giant long, the naginata, that are these really long poles with a blade at the end, like a broadsword. Pretty badass stuff. But no, um, Tomoe Godzen wasn't just a woman trained with weapons to stay home. This was an actual samurai going to war, being part of the military elite and all of that kind of stuff. And for those of you guys who are picky about setting your history with a decent time frame, we're talking about the 1100s in uh, like late 1100s into early 1200s in Japanese history. Did you see, speaking of swords, did you see the guy... Cut the hundred mile an hour fastball coming out with his sword. No, I missed. He had that. all this Japanese. Such. This was like a week ago on the internet. You might check. And that might take boom out of the out of the pitching machine. And he, wow. you know, from sword and scabbard. Wow, sliced that bitch in half. And he was only standing about twenty feet from the machine. It was awesome. Miss Tomoe Godzen would have appreciated. Yeah, it yeah, that's what made me think of it. Anyway, yeah. moving on with the story. So this is medieval sources. So they are all always incomplete uh, it's hard to separate fact from legend i mean we do know enough that there's history behind it but of course the details are kind of fuzzy uh, we do know that she was uh, whether before or after becoming a samurai sort of left unclear but uh, we do know that she uh, was either the wife or the concubine again uh, messy to try to figure out of uh, Lord Kizo no Yoshinaka, a.k.a. Minamoto no Yoshinaka. That's the way I know him. Of course, you know, as in case you are confused yeah. by the first version. <laughs> the, um, basically, as much of medieval Japan, Japan was divided between different families competing for power, big giant battles between this ruling clan with thousands of their samurais in the field fighting each other. Civil war was kind of a way of life, right? They're just waiting around for Genghis Khan to roll down and straighten their asses out. Yeah, and even that didn't quite work out because as the wind from the gods, the typhoon wiped out the Mongols trying to reach Japan, or at least so the legend told, tells. So at some point or another, she's part of the retinue of uh, Minamoto no Yoshinaka, and uh, 
she does end up becoming a fighter for him. She does end up becoming a samurai. And uh, one of the sources that I got here, I'll quote it. Say, Tomoe was especially beautiful, with uh, light skin, long hair, and charming features. She was also a remarkably strong archer, and as a sword, um, uh, as a sh- sorry, as a swordswoman, she was a warrior worth a thousand, ready to confront a demon or a god, mounted or on foot. She handled unbroken horses with superb skill. She rode unskated down perilous descents. Whenever a battle was imminent, Yoshinaka sent her out as his first captain, equipped with strong armor, an oversized sword, and a mighty bow, and she performed more deeds of valor than any of his other warriors. That's some high praise. So the lady is badass. Where's the Disney movie about Tomoe, damn it? Yeah, That's, and her mounting skills. Yeah, she's she's badass. That's the moral of the story that we're getting here. She's seriously badass. Speaking of badass, among her various feats, there's a tale of a battle, which I'm gonna... Pr- I have a perverse desire to always pronounce Japanese words in the closest to the original as possible. I screw up everything else, but somehow I like to try with Japanese. Well, later on, it's been Yamanoto. Let's roll at the battle of Yokutagawara. Yeah. I think I pulled it off. Yokutagawara. It kind of goes Native American. Yeah, and it's actually... Numpomo. The way you read the vowels and everything, I mean, at least the, when it's romanized... It's the same as I would read Italian. It's like the pronunciation of the letters is the same. Whereas English and Italian don't pronounce the same at all. You know, E is I, I, everything is different, right? The, with Japanese, it's easier. In any case, Tomo at this battle walked off carrying the heads of seven enemy warriors that she had killed. And, you know, walking away with uh, your enemy's heads from battle was, was valued more than anything. So that was the thing to do. In another battle in uh, 1184, the battle of... Daniele gets to pronounce Japanese again. Here we go. The battle of Uchide no Hama. Nice. She was part of a crazy... Like, there were 6,000 enemies. There were a few hundreds of them instead. So they were crazy outnumbered. And in fact, they got slaughtered by Tomo's one of only five of... uh, Five survivors from her side of the battle. So... Not only she was badass, she was also lucky, apparently. Or quick to run. <laughs> or quick to run something. Well, no, quick to run it would not make you a famous samurai, samurai for long because, uh, you know, the other four guys would tell and words would spread and your option if you're too quick to run is to stick a blade in your stomach in ritual suicide. Hey, fellas, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> let's tell a good story yeah. how we fought the we last fought our way out. Yeah, there's that. Now... Eventually, what ended up happening, again, I'm not following the real history or the politics because they get messy. I'm just going on uh, Tomoe being a badass. But there's uh, their lover at, um, you know, I climb kind of to the top of the hierarchy. But at this time in Japan, you didn't stay up there for long. So there are these constant battles. And eventually, uh, their enemies are beginning to take over the country and beat them down. So... What ended up happening? Another big giant fight, but clearly the tide is turning against them. So in a perfect Japanese uh, intra-family homicidal story, we have one faction of the family attacking the other, and um, 
Tomoe's lover, Lord Kizo Yoshinaka, is on the losing side, and uh, his cousin is the leader of the opponent uh, of the opposing troops. And eventually, things are looking bad for them. They are dying left and right. There's only a few of them left, and it's clear that they're all going to get killed. So proving that he was not quite as open-minded as uh, one may infer from allowing one of his top samurai to be a woman and all of that, Lord Kizo Yoshinaka, he realizes his time is up, he's about to get killed, and he orders Tomo to leave. One would say, oh, because he's nice, you want to spare her, and, well, maybe that was the thinking we like and hope to think that way. That's not the way he explained it. He basically say, I don't want to die next to a woman. It would be shameful, you know? It's like, so leave now, Well, let me do my thing, because, you know, I can't be, can't be said that I died right next to a woman on the battlefield. So Tomo decides she doesn't really want to disobey she can't disobey she's a samurai but she can't really accept that either so her way of finding a good compromise was to you know she'll follow orders she'll quit the field and leave but not before doing one last thing so she charges head off not his she oh. charges in the middle of 30 enemy warriors pick the strongest one of them engage in a duel promptly behead this guy by the name of onda no achiro and then, with this guy's head as a prize to show, look, I'm not quitting because I'm a wimp, I'm not leaving, it's because I've ordered, but I just proved my word. At that point, she takes her bow and leaves the battlefield. So, brokenhearted? Brokenhearted. There are, at this point, history gives way to legend. Because so far, most of this fight seems to have some serious historical backing. We don't really know what happens afterwards. There are all sorts of wild tales from her becoming a nun to... Of course, my favorite is not that one. There's a tale that say that she, of course, avenged her lord, killing some of his attackers in the months to come, stealing back her lover's head so that no one could claim it as a prize, and then Caroline, he said, walking out at sea to drown. Highly unlikely that that's what actually happened. Reports say that she lo- lived an extremely long life into her 90s, so... Probably something else, but in any case. But this is feudal Japan, so they're, they're pushing back and forth. Why isn't the whole population decimated? Is it just the fighters that are going at it, and you know, if, uh, lords are lost and, and, and land is gained, but overall the peasants are still just outgrowing rice and, and, and living their life and going fishing? And You are until an army pass by and rape you and kill you and steal your food. So, so everybody's in peril at all Yeah, times. yeah, basically. The, the civil wars tend not to be happy. You know, it's not that these guys get in a cage and have a nice fight and everybody can cheer on and say, who won? Civil wars wreck everybody's life. Nobody and, wins. Yeah, that's the... Um, so that's kind of what happens in this story. How long did they go on for? Um, well, Japanese civil wars continue. Really, they start tapering down at the beginning of the 1600s you know it's not like they are constant but there's civil war and then there's a break and then there's another one and then there's a break and then there's another from the 1600 forwards there's about 250 years of relative peace within japan where there's one ruling family that managed to unify the whole country but that's about it well in any case we we are getting you know it's been little lately we are we have been getting a few female guests not a whole lot but we have been getting some but you are getting some awesome female stories in story time this is by now there have been quite a few 
and uh, Tomoe ranks right up there among the badasses of all times. It's like, you know, you watch today, who's a female badass? You see Ronda Rousey as, yes, that's great, but you're fighting in a sport. Tomoe gods and chopping enemies' heads in the battlefield, that's like Ronda Rousey on steroids. It's reached a time where we're going to take a peek inside the digital mailbag and see what awesome queries and wanderings and wanderings, wanderings y'all might have. We got a couple good ones today. So let's start with from Twitter, Jacel Adkins. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it right, but I don't know how to pronounce right just about anything else. So I ignore the answer to such a thing. In any case, Jacel or, well, Atkins, I think I can get Atkins, right? Mr. Atkins. The, um, one of the questions is regarding the history podcast that I'm doing. And he's saying, you know, if I can do a kind of a breakdown of the setup for it, how do I get to produce an episode? You know, how do I take notes, notebooks, index cards, Evernote, uh, you know, idea index. How do I pull it all off? Basically, the whole process goes like this. Daniele sit down and read 7,000 million books and the whole process of reading the books is first you read them and I usually underline in pencil to the side to kind of so that when I go through a second time the parts that I need to really look at stand out. Second reading is as I go through the underlined parts and now I type notes on those whether literal quotation or whether it's paraphrasing a paragraph or summarizing something. I type them in um, just in a Word file. And the beauty of this is that I have a couple of Word files for just about every book I've read in the last 10 years. 400 pages, single space each. And the beauty of this is that I can, I don't need to remember exactly a quote or, you know, you know when you have those, where did I find that thing? What book was it? Well, I don't need to worry about it because I can type in the search part one word that I remember that maybe is a quirky, weird word or two or three words in a row and it's gonna pop right up uh, whatever one of the three gazillion books I've read are there in those pages the Mac is gonna do its magic and find it for me so that's, and the citation's already there with it so you yeah know. exactly so I have it right there where I need it now the problem is it's a painfully time consuming process in the sense that reading your 400 page book well you guys know how long it takes to read but then taking notes on 400 pages of which usually I have a lot underlined that takes days of on one book and so then I have to do it for multiple books because each one of the history episodes I usually have to read uh, it varies depending on what's out there but I've read as little as maybe five books on a topic and as much as probably 30 books on a topic so there's that the, um, once I have all that now if I have all the sources that I've taken notes about from on a certain topic now I'm gonna go through them and try to put them together in a separate file for that episode and try to first just put together a timeline where so oh I read about this event in this book and I read about the same event in this other book let me find it so I I put it together timeline wise 
once I have it there and by now all my notes the use I cut all the copies you know if the same point got to be made in three different books okay cut 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 I just put all the original points in there now I have it all in one document a general storyline next step is to go through and clean it up so that it actually becomes a story it's not just a bunch of random notes put together now there's a flow do one last passage where add all the power punches to the story where you put the exclamation points in the, the jokes the ideas that come to mind the references to pop culture philosophical musing whatever that may be the things that spice up an episode speaking of which Damn, as I was driving here, I had a great idea for a next History on Fire episode. I had a, Write it down! And I don't remember what it was. It was right there at the beginning of the episode. Okay, I'll get back in the car and try to remember what the hell it was. Yeah, a lot of time, unfortunately. Yeah, Jesus. Today it took me two hours to drive a little over 20 miles to come in to record this thing. It was... If I did not commit mass murder today i think i'm pretty safe that i may not in the future so yeah that was fun it's pretty funny the process is very similar to when you're making a documentary because it's instead of instead of reading all the books you shoot all these interviews you have 37 mm -hmm. interviews and the whole idea is break it into themes now we're talking about this subject get everybody's bites in those subject put them together group yep. them watch which ones are then it becomes different because it's more like this is a nicer delivery this guy tells yeah. his story better but it's still the same thing in the end. You same want it to be the best flow and the best sort of... What happens when you find things that are at uh, opposites of... Uh, well, we saw it this way, they saw it that way. That's almost a good point I, where yeah, you can I say deliver it. both. You know, it's like, uh, this is where the sources got confusing. Some people tell this story, other people that, that story. If I have an opinion about it, I'll give you the opinion of which one I think is more credible and why. Yeah. If I don't, I leave it at that. It's like, hey historical record is messier so we can't quite figure out these are the options on the table and leave it at that you know there's no reason to try to pretend you know it when you don't well i'm clearly biased but um the show is great guys and you should definitely check it out and ladies um anybody who's a dan carlin fan is going to enjoy these he's doing a great job and he's putting the work in and uh, folks are loving it so you don't want to be the last one to the party <laughs> yeah I mean, i've been having a blast with it i, I had a really good time so far so I, um, I've researched probably eight episodes altogether, two already done and six more, you know, there's basically everything is set, is set. I'm working on episode nine right now to do the research. Eventually it's going to catch up to me and I'm going to have in a, end up in a Dan Carlin quandary where it like take months to release a new episode. You see, but, uh, uh, since he canceled Common Sense, he's done two episodes. Of uh, Common Sense. Of Common Sense, right. <laughs> and there still hasn't been, uh, yeah, poor Dan. It's rough. He's got a good problem, though. Yeah, no, he does. And um, and I'm perfectly happy. If it takes the man six months, yeah, take I don't your time. Care. Absolutely. They're it's always good. Such high quality. You can listen to them three or four times. Yep. Especially that World War One. Holy smokes. No, I mean, the whole catalog is, um, that's why that's why Dan is the man. You know, he has such amazing skill in that department. And um, it's funny, too. I mean, I'm going to bring it up. I think I may end up on... Um, there's a point that like comes up of course because i'm the first one to bring it up that of course dan carling provides a model for how this is done because he's the undisputed master of the game you know yeah. the way he does historical podcasting well when he started nobody else was you know even close to his level still i don't believe anybody's close but now there are a lot of kind of higher quality historical podcasts out there so there's more there's more pickings 
And yeah, the way Dan does it is amazing. Now, having said that, though, it's not like one day I woke up and I said, you know what, I'm going to copy Dan Carlin. I'm just going to, let me see, where does he do his poses and where, what's the style? What is not a formula that I decided, oh, I'm going to, I like his formula, so I'm going to copy to the T. No, it's not a copy at all. It's your own interpretation of telling these stories. And fuck, you are a history professor. Yeah, that's, so. that's the point. Is like, this is what I've been doing kind of since 2001 in terms of teaching history. That's why it, you know, there are ways to tell good stories and there are ways not to tell good stories. Yeah. Dan has zoned in on how you tell a good story. He has the very journalistic sense, that pace, that ability to spice it up in the right way. That's exactly what I dig when I teach. Now, I'm not saying I do the exact same thing, but roughly, I mean, there are only so many ways to tell a good story. You need to have a first-person perspective, otherwise people get bored if you talk about from way up there. And then in 1511... Yeah, you need to get people there where they are able to relate, to see what it's like, to feel what it was like to be in that situation. That's how you do it. So as much as I worship Dan, he's not uh, copied the scenario, it's more uh, paying homage to the fact that he's the pioneer in this and he's the best in the game at this, but is not exactly that I discovered after listening to podcasts this this formula. In any case, having said that, yeah, so long ass process takes me about on average about two hundred hours of work to produce uh, two hour episodes. So it's uh, it's a lot. Yeah, it's five it's, weeks, man. It's no messing around. Yeah, and in fact, that's why I have to research ahead because you know two hundred hours is almost working eight hours a day, five days a week for five weeks or so. I don't have that time. You know, I have... Uh, well, yeah, other things to do. Yeah, exactly. So it's like I had to prepare each one of these episodes over months. And this is the what you get now is the result of two years of previous work. And eventually, either I figure out a way to be more efficient with my time or I'll have to slow down. Cause... And sweaty nights in Italian. Yeah, exactly. That's the way it would play out. All right, there was a mention of another question. What might it have been? Uh, other question. Uh, what piece of my own advice, this, by the way, is by Aaron. Um, two related questions. So what piece of my own advice do I have the hardest time following? Well, there's a long <laughs> list there. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, well, the thing is, one about patience, for sure. Oh. I'm not. You know, how's the judging been going? There's that too, but uh, um, well, you have it in my head now, though. I'm very careful about it. I'm also real good at seeing it in other people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, look at you judging, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it's uh, and yeah, I didn't even they think don't like of that. to hear that. No, I didn't even think of that, but yeah, there's that. There's the um, why waste your energy judging somebody else's faults when it's like, what can I do about fixing this? Why do I just sit back? There's and, really only one person you can really fix anyway. Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly. the asshole in the mirror. So Yeah, exactly. So He don't listen either. We, we established that, <laughs> yes. But really one thing that I notice is I, I have a much shorter fuse than I've ever had. And I think it's because I've uh, just been, you know, last few years, the amount of stress I've been under has been a lot. And one of the legacies of it is that my patience has decreased dramatically over time. You know, there are things where if you things challenge you and you actually develop a muscle for that and you increase in your ability to deal with it yep. well that's to a point if ch things challenge you too much they crush you and then your ability decreases substantially so there's that you know it's like there's definitely 
rage simmering under the surface and I certainly don't like to take it out on anybody not on good people not on bad people either for that matter but it's there and I I need to figure out a way to express it in a constructive way in a useful way in a way that dam- doesn't damage me or anybody else but I do notice that there are moments where you know one little thing happen and I'm just ready to tear down the house kind of feeling which is not you know clearly that I know that's not how I want to be I know that that's uh, um, but at the same time there's a lot on your plate my man yeah so there's that and uh, you know I know I fuck up a lot in that department but that's part of what's going on I know my favorite piece of advice that was given to me that I always do follow because I think it's just a consistent great one it was something my father had in every office he ever had from the military to running the, the, the school buses of San Jose it's easier to gain forgiveness than permission mm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. a man lived that way right hey, if it works I'm all for the whatever and works. And it blew up in his face on occasion, too. I'm but for the whatever works school of thought. As long as it works, it's a good policy. Yeah. The, um, so that's one of them. There's obviously a long list of these ones. I'll keep it short for simplicity's sake. But the another one is, I mean, I know that the recipe as uh, Buddhism 101 would teach you. The recipe for misery is... Uh, getting overly attached to things in a transitory world where everything changes yeah and yet easier said than done so it's almost it's it's, i think that's the key a lot of those little riddles it's it's impossible well i mean i'm not saying in fact you can't be non-attached that's crazy and that's not even desirable right but be not so freakishly attached where suddenly your whole self got turned to pieces if things don't work out a certain way. No, I things. didn't mean that, man. I just meant the, the idea of being up, you know, no, in but a mountain crag somewhere, cross-legged trying to float and yeah. do away with everything. Yeah, that's... I think then you've gone too far the other way. And I agree. My problem is uh, fear of loss. Yes. Uh, it's a big one, you know, and it's the reality is, you know, when I'm in my best when I'm in my best state of mind, I have the... There was this thing that I wrote that's up on my website at danielebolelli.com. It's also going to be part of the book, Not Afraid, which, by the way, in case... I, I never mention these things. I always forget. But yes, that's coming up. New book that will be coming up at the beginning of December. Oh, it's exciting. There um, could be a there could be a, a book swap. A Graham Hancock, Daniele Bolelli book swap. Yeah, indeed. We shall. I think I did email it to him. I may have. The, um, but yeah, there's the book coming up, and it's all about this theme, essentially. It's about dealing with fear, dealing with loss, uh, finding way to fight through it, finding way to... And one of the this part that I'd written originally separately, and then I included it in, in the book that's up on danielebolelli.com, is this uh, piece of writing that I wrote that I was thinking. I think the title was In the Beginning Was Fear, or something like that. Now, when I can embody that state of mind, I'm good. And that state of mind is realizing that ultimately bad things do and will happen, that there's no avoiding it. So what's the point of being afraid of something that's inevitable? Like just go out defiantly and enjoy the ride while it lasts and worry about when everything falls to pieces when it does. You know, go down gloriously. You're going to fail anyway in the end. You know, eventually the universe is going to crush you. Nobody here gets out alive. Go down with a bang. That, again, is a lot easier said than done. And oh, so yeah. when I'm there, when I'm in that state of mind, 
I feel I know no fear at that moment. I'm in the best state. I, I'm not angry. I'm not. I do have patience to handle things. I can do. I'm at my absolute best. Uh, that does usually not last. There are moments here and there where I can embody that. They are not to me 24-7, that's for sure. I wish it was. It's not, but um, it's too much hope for it. I mean, there's a lot of there's a there's a fluidity to our existence that yeah. keeps us always. You're never going to have the level, the bubble in the middle for long. Yeah, and that's why you know sometimes people say some stuff, and it's not hypocrisy that then you are not able to pull it off twenty four seven. It's not that you say one thing and do another. In that sense, it's like that's the ultimate ideal. It's like Michael Jordan would like to be able to shoot the perfect three pointer at the last second every single game. Yeah. Does it always work that way? It's not for lack of trying or lack of will. Is that's just how it is? You keep that in mind as the ideal then the reality sometimes falls short of that. And well, and those little surprises that it doesn't go the way you want to is sort of the joy of slogging through this insanity. Because sometimes it does go your way. Yep, precisely. Usually after about a big bunch of it not going your way. Exactly. When you feel it, you're, oh, look at that. One went for me one time. Indeed. That's the way to do it. No, and it does. And it can work that way. And in those moments, you pat yourself on the back and you're like, this is awesome. This is great. This is where uh, they are not all, you know, there's a difference between shooting for the target and getting it right every time. Hell yeah. You know? But that was one thing. Another thing, and by the way, we're going long on this because we're going to merge, I guess, rant with the digital mailbag because sadly... After my two hours on the freeway to get here, now I'm off to teaching class, and it's uh, my life is complicated these days. But in any case, enough bitching. The other part of the question is this: beside uh, Tom Robbins and Dick Sojourn, which I've clearly I made clear that they are some of my idols, who else do do I look up to in terms of a well-rounded, well-balanced yin yang energy in use of life? Uh, that's a tricky question. You can't remove Tom Robbins and DQ from the equation because, you know, there's a reason why they show up all the time in my statements there because one of the things that I love the most about those guys is because they are the perfect antidote to the image that's so common, to the artist as the suffering, desperate artist to create masterpieces out of their own pain only from pain now there's something to be said about that you know pain teaches you a lot about life pain uh, is powerful it's you know it's easy to get distracted uh, i want to play video games and mind my business where everything is going okay but the news is not always cruel yeah that's the point is it's not all a lot of it is suffering sure but not not all of it is like the whole idea that in order to be there's this dichotomy that on one end you have deep suffering artists and on the other end you have superficial assholes who have a good time. It's a suicidal one because that's condemning people who are sensitive to always be miserable. And what I love about TQ at Tom Robbins is that they provide actual role model for what it means to be sensitive, to be deep, to be good, messy, complete human beings and yet be happy. Not happy because they don't know sadness or desperation, but because they can be happy in spite of the sadness and pain and suffering that are the inevitable part of life. So, I mean, most of the people I like tend to be larger, have these personalities that are larger than life. 
and in many cases they are not that very well adjusted so I admired the poetry of it all I admired the heart I admired the greatness but it's not exactly how I would want to be these guys on the other hand have it you know they have that quality that's why you know if you think even about our t-shirts our surfing Nietzsche t-shirt that to me is the perfect towel right there now did the historical Nietzsche fit that no Nietzsche was an awesome human being in terms of his ideas. Some of his stuff is so brilliant. But the dude that he fit more the desperate, suffering artist in a lot of ways. His life was not exactly carrying a surfboard around and uh, hanging out with a bottle of wine and his drunken Taoist t-shirt, you know? And some fine-looking Dr. Sarah shorts. Yeah, precisely. You know, (laughs) that's why, to me, it was hilarious. But it wasn't just a joke. It was really just about my ideal for what an amazing human being look like to combine Nietzsche's depth and uh, sensitivity with a more light-hearted approach that actually enjoys life you know but again why do I have to make it up because it's not exactly common you know there's I'm sure there are other people besides Tom Robbins and DQ there are not a whole there's not exactly a long list that comes to mind um Again, I'm sure they are out there, but there are not exactly too many cases that fit that perfectly. There, there are people that I admire who can combine, you know, a little bit of fire with, uh, hell, even like, you know, or like Savannah. I love the fact that she can be so fiery and like train martial arts six times a week. She's tough as hell. And at the same time, she's like always fucking calm. I don't know how she does it. It's like... It, it's the exact opposite of me. If I have this really short fuse, she managed to be like, you know, I'll butt heads with Isabella all day long. We'll love each other, but there's always this. And, uh, you know, she's, Isabella will listen to Savannah 10 times better than she does with me, and they never have a conflict. Because Savannah is a master at this fucking game, and I'm not, you know. It's funny. I think that's, that's sort of the, the, the perfect combination for a relationship. Two hotheads are never going to. Oh, yeah. That's just going to be a war. It's good passion for a while, oh, but then you'll sure. kill each I'm not saying it's not right. going to be fun for six months, yeah. but for over the long haul, no, that's, we've been lucky enough. That's sort of our combo. My wife is definitely the fiery one, and I am the calm one. But the calm one always has his fiery day. Of course. That's that's how it plays out sometimes, yeah. right? I have. I, it's funny because for most of my life, I've always been the calm one. Not now. Your turn. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. But in any case, so that's the... Yeah, if we want to talk about historical characters that I can vouch for, yeah, Tom Robbins, Iki Sojun, for sure. Mythological, again, my our surfing Nietzsche image is the image of what we're talking about, but it's not exactly an actualized one because definitely Nietzsche's life did not mirror that particular state of consciousness. If I could get the whole slavery aspect out of it, I think a Thomas Jefferson in his pot field would be quite awesome, but maybe down the road. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the... Yeah, even because Thomas... He had he had this issue. He was an uh, interesting, sneaky player in a lot of ways. I'd just like to bring it up there because there's a revolution brewing. Indeed, there always is. Yes, yes. <laughs> So 
Nelly's got to go, folks, so the fancy music means, yes, indeed, another episode, a quick rushed episode, because we're busy guys, but back together again. Uh, quickly, excitingly, it seems that our pal Graham Hancock may be back shortly to push his new book, Magicians of the Gods. I cannot believe that makes me so excited that awesome. and he contacted us. Yep, he emailed us. He's a sweet oh. guy. I like him. I look forward to the conversation. It's going to be an honor and a pleasure to have him here in studio. Very quickly, uh, Kiva.org. Kiva uh, it's going to be holiday time. I really think a Kiva card is a great gift for a, a nephew who doesn't need another toy. Um, do give it. Them, do give, it. Give, 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 give somebody else. Do it. Sign it up. Christmas time. Perfect. <laughs> and along those lines, Amazon link, please use it. Uh, Amazon Christmas shopping coming up. Please remember us for that. Takes you two extra clicks and it helps us a bunch. Doesn't cost you anything. Please use our link. That was lecture series. If you haven't checked it out and you're in the mood to try, less than 10 bucks for seven hours plus worth of lectures about Taoism. Those of you guys who complain that we don't actually do that much Taoism in the podcast for being called the drunken Taoist, well, here is where it's at. And Seven they are drunken. Exactly. So there's that. Thank you to our affiliates, Kurokao Chocolate, and, uh, well, Audible is both our affiliate and our sponsor this time, so yeah, that's quite thanks. sweet. Thank you to Daisy House for the music. No thank you for the donations. No, I'm playing it. Uh, I'm sure there will be people who donate, but we're recording episodes back-to-back, so there was no time for anybody to donate in between. So anticipated thanks to anybody who will. We did not have time to check who that shall be. All right, guys, we got to get to work. We'll see you next time, and uh, say hi to Mike V in Japan. Bye. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary the thing? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and. Uh, uh, your accent, it just. Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about translate it? for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work!